Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Inyaki Williams through the gap. Inyaki Williams with the cross, and Nico Williams hasn't turned it in, and it's saved again by Ter Stegen, and he comes out, and it's off the line again from Kunde. That's unbelievable. Hello, everyone. Welcome along to La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host, Matt Clark. I'm with Roman de Arquer from Barcelona once again. How are you, Roman? Hi, Matt. Uh, feeling good. Uh, just watched the, the Barca game, and it was a tough one to digest towards the end because, of course, we saw how uh intense athletic were in those uh, final minutes and they could could have easily gotten a draw there i mean they got it in fact for a few minutes but then it was ruled out but yeah uh intense game to watch again because barca lately are giving us a bit of a, a tough time <laughs> yeah plenty to get into there we will do that it's match day 25 that we've just about finished aleti played girona on monday night but we've had nine other games which were full of drama and plenty of goals as well but we'll start at the top then because Barca had to respond. Madrid beat Espanyol 3-1 on Saturday. We'll get to that soon. But Barca had to win at San Mamés to maintain the nine-point gap ahead of El Clasico next week. And that is just about what they managed to do. Once again, a Rafinha goal from a Sergio Busquets assist, just like against Valencia last weekend. And yeah, they had to suffer. Um, there was Test Egan masterclass save once again. A controversial, potentially, decision to annul the goal for a handball um we'll get onto that too but roman first of all your overall impression of of barca winning yet again by one goal to nil well it was just another uh, gritty ugly win uh, that we're not too used to i guess uh, here in barcelona barcelona but of course in the end a win is a win and of course we're going to take it no matter how it comes by and it was another tough game i mean we can really tell that we're missing Pedri in that midfield, I think he just makes such a big difference. Uh, some people might think I'm exaggerating a bit, but honestly, I mean, since he's been injured, the level of Barca's performances uh, haven't been as good, to be honest. And you can tell that we struggle to have control and against a team like Athletic that we know they're very courageous. They like to uh, fight for every single ball. They never give up. You know, they have that mentality to keep trying. And that second half, we just suffered so much because they were pushing, they were believing. Uh, and they got that goal, honestly, by Iñaki Williams. I, I, I was sure it was a goal until I saw uh, that possible handball, which, of course, uh, changed the game completely. But, you know, even until the last second, past the 97th minute, I think it was, because there were seven added minutes, it went a bit on. And even they had the ball, the last cross, Nico Williams 
were was I'm sorry unfortunate enough to send it uh, past the goal and and wasn't a good chance in the end. But you know they had the ball in the right right till the very end and they kept pushing, they kept having their chances and uh, they're a dangerous side. But in a way a big relief for Barca to get three points because Madrid, uh, of course, were pushing from behind and and trying to cut back in the the, the, the distance there is between both sides. Mm. Well, let's touch on that controversy then because. We don't like to be massive on it at La Liga Lowdown, but I think it's it's an important one to, to reference. Uh, in a weekend where there was yet more developments in the Negreda case, and I know you spoke to Rory a lot in the last podcast about that, uh, in the week that, uh, weekend that Real Madrid came out and said that they would appear in front of judges if they were asked to in a big movement from where their previous position had been when they said nothing, um, for Barca to have a goal against them disallowed in the 87th minute away from home, some might draw some conclusions from that, but according to the uh, the chief of the referees committee at the start of the season, when he updated everyone via a press conference online about the handball rule and where and why VAR would intervene, this is what they said on attacking phasing attacking phases for cancelling goals. If a team scores in the same attacking phase after committing an offence, VAR will intervene and recommend a review. So that is. In other words, what the VAR in this game deemed to have happened. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, of course, there is a handball. And uh, because of that handball, Athletic do recover the ball and have that counterattack, which ends up in a goal. I mean, it's sometimes hard to interpret the exact uh, way the rules should be understood because, of course, uh, sometimes the referees have their ways of understanding it. And then, of course, you have to interpret when VAR is to come in when it doesn't. It's complicated. But, of course, in the end, you just have to trust what it is uh, and what they decide even though of course with all the uh, controversy about Negreira it isn't as easy but let's not forget that's something that happened in the past it's not currently happening anymore uh, I, I imagine I mean I, I want to think that this is over of course but seeing how everything has gone and they said that they stopped paying them uh, already years ago that then obviously I don't think we should be worrying in that sense and honestly it was a handball so I mean I can understand why it was being given and also I have to say I remember back in the days here at Barcelona, we were saying that uh, Zidane had a flower, La Flor, you know, that he was very lucky to get these very close wins. And I feel like Xavi has a bit of that flower at the moment because, uh, I mean, he just uh, is making it work somehow. You know, I think you, you mentioned to me before the poll that it was 11-1-0 uh, wins this season in all competitions, which I think is just pretty crazy with the new uh, Atletico de Madrid. And it feels like we have uh, Xavi Simeone in charge <laughs> at the moment, but still <laughs> we're getting the results, which is an important thing. And, I mean, of course, there's going to be controversy regarding that handball, but, I mean... It happened. There is a handball for me, so I mean, I can understand why the referee decided to to cancel the goal. Yes, indeed. I think in the Premier League that wouldn't have happened, but again, they have different interpretations of the handball rule. As the La Liga one goes, I would interpret that as a pretty legitimate uh, cancelling of a goal. So moving away from that, as you say, Barca 1-0 is a very common theme this season. As you say, not, not used to it, but this season it has become quite common. Um, we mentioned those 11 matches. That includes Mallorca away. Celta at home, Valencia away, Atleti away, Etafe, La Real in the Copa, Girona, Villarreal away, Real Madrid away in the Copa, Valencia last weekend, and now today at San Mamés. So that's some, some pretty big games and some tough grounds where Barca have gone there, dug in, kept a clean sheet. And it's worth mentioning this one was without Ronaldo Araujo, who was suspended, and uh, Ernesto Valverde played um, Raul Garcia up front to try and disturb that changed defensive lineup. How do you think Barca coped without Araujo and, and how did they cope? 
Well, I mean, we didn't concede in the end. Uh, I think Barca this season, you know, defensively in La Liga specifically, they have been a fantastic side. And of course, uh, there are chances uh, for for op- opposing sides, for, the, for our rivals. They're getting good opportunities now and then because it's part of football. You know, you're always going to get your shot at goal. Uh, but overall, I think... Uh, we look pretty solid. Kunde, I think, had a had a very good performance together with Christensen. Uh, Balde had a tough job, of course, with Williams on that wing, a quick, very quick players, but mostly uh, he did pretty well. And so I think, in general, we should we can be happy with with the performance taken into account. We were missing, or not missing, but uh, Araujo, our best centre back, wasn't wasn't playing, and of course that usually affects the team. But in this case, I think uh, we did a good job. So I mean. With one thing that we can't complain, which I have been complaining a lot in previous seasons, because Barca in the past scored lots of goals, but then the back always seemed very uh, fragile and vulnerable. I think this has changed quite a lot in this sense, and I think uh, with uh, that defense and Testegen, who seems unbeatable, I mean we're so we're very solid at the back, and, and give them a lot of credit to these guys because they're going, doing a very good job. Mm, indeed, nine points then the advantage before the Clasico next weekend, and just to sum it up, really, listeners, here's one for you. Remember back in January when they uh, they won three consecutive games by 1-0 for the first time in 43 years. Well, they've just done it again, winning three games in a row by one goal to nil just two months later. So that gives you an idea of how this is a very different looking Barca from the side that we've seen for the last, well, decade or more. So <laughs> on to Real Madrid then. They have to keep winning to keep the pressure on Barca. They did that yesterday against Espanyol, but they did concede first. Hossele with a fantastic finish to open the scoring, but they battled back with goals through Ede Militao, Vinicius Jr. and a late one from Marco Asensio. Of course, now their focus is on getting the job done in the Champions League, but Roman, how did you assess their, their win here? Well, it was uh, one of the four games, I think, where we had a very early goal in the first 10 minutes. Uh, it was quite surprising to see how many games started off with an early goal. And I think that kind of, in most games, affected the the way, the outcome of the match, of course, because that meant the opposition uh, who was losing was pressing a lot more, generating a lot more. And I think, in a way, that benefited Madrid because, of course, they knew that they had to come back immediately uh, shortly after Jose Luz's goal. And, of course, they were pushing, they were pressing. Uh, they have a lot of quality up in attack. And in the end, you know, they got one, two and three goals. So um, it's hard to stop Real Madrid. I mean, Betis did it recently, Barca did it. But, I mean, you have to have a really good game. And we all know that also Espanyol uh, is a team that tends to struggle at the Bernabeu. Usually the, they don't get very good results. They don't score too many goals. So... Uh, you kind of felt like it was coming, especially after that early goal, which of course was a fantastic uh, definition from Josele right in that top corner, but uh, it didn't last uh, that long, we could say. Mm. Yeah, the the cynical Barca fan that says Espanyol always <laughs> give away six points to Real Madrid. So yeah, certainly no favours uh, from their Catalan sometimes. rivals this time. <laughs> um, let's talk with Champions League quickly then before Real Madrid's second leg against Liverpool. Liverpool losing again this weekend after their incredible 7-0 win against Manchester United last time. They lost 1-0 away from home against the bottom side, Bournemouth. So Liverpool still with problems going into that Bernabeu second leg. Do you think Madrid will come through with pretty unscathed? Uh, pretty much. I mean, unless uh, Liverpool do another have another magical game like they did against United, which I don't think, unless uh, at the Bernabeu, uh, honestly... I think it's going to be very complicated for them to to have to have a chance because even if if they go out and and try and get a goal and do get an early goal or two, I mean, uh, they're going to open up a lot of spaces at the back, and we know that how dangerous Real Madrid is in the counter attack with players like uh, Rodrigo, Benítez, etc. So, I mean, I see it's very unlikely that Liverpool don't concede at least one goal at the Bernabeu, and I think that 
would kind of definitely uh, kill the game for good. So uh, we'll see what attitude uh, Klopp's men come into the game with, but it's going to be very, very tough to, to overcome this one for them. Yeah, I'm not expecting many miracles from Liverpool. Like The only thing they've got going for them is if Madrid are a bit complacent to start with, but then, of course, they were like that last season then woke up in the end to produce that remarkable <laughs> run. And we already kind of know that Madrid are all in for the Champions League now, given the the position in the league especially, and, and Karen Benzema should be back for this one. So, yeah, it's looking like a long shot for Liverpool. So we'll await that in the Champions League. At the very other end of the scale, at the bottom of La Liga, we had some really important games this weekend. An Andalus derby, Sevilla Almeria. At kickoff time, they were both in the bottom three. And in the end, Sevilla came from behind to beat Almeria 2-1 uh, with goals, well, the winning goal coming from Eric Lamela, Assisted by Brian Hill. In este enloquecimiento táctico que propone San Pauli puede pasar cualquier gol. Gol del Sevilla. Gol del Sevilla. Gol del Sevilla. Gol del Sevilla. Gol, 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 gol. Vaya cabezazo. Gol, gol, la mela. Del Sevilla, la mela. Es un centro magnífico de Brian Hill. Injuries are plenty in this game. Almeria went ahead very early, as you said, early goals again. Um, we wish those those injured players well, especially Bonner, who departed the pitch in a, in a neck brace. So uh, hopefully he's okay. But um, what a game this was! Pulsating shots everywhere, real derby, real you know both teams going for the result, uh, and in the end it's Sevilla that get the three points, a massive three points. Yeah, absolutely massive for Sevilla. We all know what situation they were. I think that actually uh, before the game started, if I'm not mistaken, they were already uh, in the relegation zone. So, I mean, uh, it was much needed for them to, to get these three points for Sampaoli, of course, because they, there have been talks whether uh, he's really connecting with the players or not. So, I mean, you could actually see when... When Sevilla got the draw, the way he celebrated with all that intensity, and, and you could you could see and feel and, and understand that there's so much pressure on his shoulders at the moment to to get Sevilla up uh, from from those bottom positions. And it was a similar as I said before. Again, early goal, and from there, of course, Sevilla uh, had to push, had to go. They had, I think, it was around uh, 25 or 27 shots on not on target, on overall. Sorry, 12, 27 shots overall and five on target. Uh, not very many, but still, it's. Uh, gives you a sense of how uh, offensive Sevilla were going forward and Almeria and th themselves you know uh, tried to make the most of those counterattacks and also uh, generated some good uh, positions in attack but in the end uh, I guess the better side in terms of quality won the game uh, Almeria also struggling a lot to, to get out of those positions and it's really entertaining to see how each week there seems to be uh, complete changes at the bottom but nobody is fully escaping uh, the wrath of relegation, we could say, <laughs> because it's 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 gonna it's gonna come for you, you know, and it's it's hard to get out from the bottom, and especially this season where we see that all the teams are really uh, struggling to to avoid it, and uh, there's a big pack of of uh, clubs that could could go down. So it's gonna be entertaining right till the very end. Yeah, it's not just changing game by game; it's changing hour by hour. Because <laughs> yeah. as Sid Lowe tweeted, at five o'clock, Sevilla were nineteenth, and by about five to six, they were thirteenth. So. <laughs> That just shows you how tight it is and how a couple of goals and the result can really swing everything. Um, but yeah, Almeria, again, the away form is a huge concern. The worst team in the league away from home. The only side without a win on the road. And yeah, if, if they don't get back to winning ways at home, then the pressure will really start to mount on Ruby. And of course, him being an ex-Betis manager will make the Sevilla fans even more delighted about this particular result. Just before we go to the break, then we have to mention the other giant that's struggling at the bottom, Valencia. 
They beat Osasuna by one goal to nil, a late goal in the second half from Justin Clivert. Um, Sergio Herrera made a penalty save for Osasuna. He's becoming a real expert and a cult hero for saving penalties. It wasn't pretty, as Paco was, was showing from that video he uh, he posted. But two wins and two clean sheets at Mestalla now under Ruben Baraka. So Valencia, again, gritty, digging in. Uh, Baraka said in the press conference before that today plays Mestalla. And he really wants to emphasise the fans and the team becoming one again and helping the team get out of the trouble. And at the moment, they are out of the relegation places with this result. Um, another important one for them. Yeah, super important. Uh, another uh, historic team struggling at the bottom, as you said. Another giant, you know. And it's it's tough to see these these sides there because honestly, they don't, they shouldn't really be there, you know, because they have uh, uh, so much history, so much not quality in the case of Valencia, maybe, but you know, it's a club that you never uh, want to see there. And uh, in this case, in that game, you know, as you said, very tough game. Um, not too many clear chances for either side. Uh, but overall, I think uh, Valencia probably uh, deserved three points. There was also a lot of controversy with VAR uh, because the referee, of course, first uh, sending off a couple of Sasuna players, then having to rectify, then possible penalties for uh, Valencia on one on Lina, which wasn't given, which could be, it's hard to say, uh, because I, I kind of feel like Lina also lets himself fall quite a lot. And then again, uh, with Thierry Correa, that second penalty you mentioned, which was then saved, uh, by Sergio Herrera was also checked and VAR did decide to give it even though it also seemed like Thierry kind of let himself go but anyway it's 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 a lot of uh, t- tough decisions for referees lately in La Liga a lot of controversy regarding them and you know in this game Valencia as you said needed the support of the fans uh, they needed uh, Baraja to have this kind of effect you know where the team actually believes and and is united in in their objective of saving themselves at the moment I mean those are another th- crucial three points because we know Sasuna are a tough side to beat they're uh, top half of the standings you know fighting for European positions so it's never easy to to beat a side like that so a uh, great result for Valencia who are still uh, just on 26 points like Getafe who are in the relegation zone on 18th so I mean still a long way to go still a lot of work to do if they want to uh, avoid that uh, area. Yep, just out of the drop zone on goal difference as it stands. That'll do us for part one. When we come back, we'll review the other games on Match Day 25, including some eye-catching results and some uh, interesting European battles. So stay tuned. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. I'm here with Roman de Arquer. We're reviewing and discussing all of Match Day 25 in all of its glory. And the most eye-catching result of the weekend, probably Roman, certainly in my opinion, was at Balaidos and Celta Vigo 3, Rayo Vallecano 0. Rayo's heaviest defeat of the season, but I think the story really is Celta and how impressive they've been since Carlos Carvajal has come in. Um, I would suggest the best coaching change in La Liga this season. Uh, and, and once again, in this game, Don Iago Aspas reminding everyone that, yes, we all love Gabri Vega and he's the flavour of the month in La Liga, literally the player of the month. Um, but Aspas reminding everyone that he's still top dog at in Vigo. Um, and now Celta are just four points off Rio in seventh. So they could be in for a, a late European charge. And, and our latest piece on our Substack asks that question pretty much. Uh, so you can go and check that out now lllonline.substack.com Roman, your thoughts on, on a really impressive win for Celta? Yeah, I mean, uh, Carvajal has really changed the face of, of, of this team, you know, and it wasn't an, an easy job because Celta are a team that have been struggling in past seasons and they've never really uh, managed to completely maybe make it work, we could say, because they've had decent squads in the past but it's never really clicked and, and this season it seemed like again uh, they were falling for the same mistakes but now Carvajal is, is really doing a good job at the moment and I mean uh, as you said it, this time Gaudi Vega maybe didn't step up in, in scoring the goals but Yaraspas uh, after I think it was five matches without scoring finally uh, broke uh, his personal deadlock we could say in, in, in this uh, bad streak he was having towards goal because we all know how important Yaraspas uh, is for this team and uh, this time he was he was crucial in, in stepping up and a big win against uh, Rayo Vallecano who we all know are in, in the fight for European positions even though we can kind of feel like Rayo aren't performing at the level we were, were used to towards the beginning first half of the season or so I mean in the last five games they've had two defeats and, and three draws which of course isn't great from them and it kind of feels like since they've recovered Raul de Tomas things have gone a bit worse because we thought it would be quite the opposite where they would recover a top quality striker and from there on you know they would enhance their attack and get more goals and get better results but it really has kind of not completely worked out uh, even though it's true that uh, Camello has been playing still most of the games this one instead Raul de Tomas started uh, he did hit the post he did have a good opportunity for for Rayo Aicano but in the end uh, another defeat for them and uh, if they really want to aspire to those positions they're going to have to try and correct a few things and and careful with and be careful with Celta Vigo as you said who are chasing them down very close by and I mean Celta were one of those sides which were at the bottom suffering not long ago if we if we um, remember and right now they look 
quite unstoppable. So, I mean, they're one of the sides that's really managed to turn things around. And I honestly don't see them fighting for relegation because uh, they're on a really good form. And I think they should be capable of keeping this up at least for a while uh, to give them enough time to get the points they need to, to avoid the, the dangerous area at the, at the bottom. Mm. I think the most impressive thing with Celta and the change under Carvajal is is the defensive um, improvement. You look at before mm-hmm. um, under Chacho Coudet, they conceded 24 in 12 games, so two per game. But since Carvajal's arrived, they've only conceded 10 in 13. So I think that's about 0.77 per game. So a really you know marked, drastic improvement in the defensive record. And that has given them the perfect base from which to build. And uh, players like Gabri Vega and Yago Aspas will work their magic if you give them the solid foundation to do so. So yeah, well done, Celta. Salute them. Uh, elsewhere in the European race, it was kind of more more anticipated than it turned out to be, I think, because Villarreal Betis, um, Villarreal Centenary match, of course, celebrating their 100 years, playing against Betis off the back of their disappointing result at Old Trafford. Former managers of either side going head-to-head, Setien uh, back ahead against Betis and Pellegrini back at La Ceramica. 1-1 it finished, Roman. Uh, talk us through this game. It was... Um, I don't know, it was, it was interesting, but not perhaps the, the game that everyone was expecting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you see Villarreal and, and Betis are playing each other on the weekend, you kind of expect an entertaining offensive game, lots of goals, uh, good chances. But it wasn't exactly that. And as a matter of fact, the first goal uh, was thanks to a big mistake by Pepe Reina, who let the ball slip in a what seemed to be a quite weak cross or shot. I'm not really sure what the intention was there. Uh, but unfortunately for him, it just slipped behind and uh, Borja Iglesias was quicker than Foyt to to stick it in the net. And of course, from there on, um, uh, Bayaran had to climb uh, upwards, we could say, up the mountain to try and recover the disadvantage. And of course, Villarreal did uh, look better. They came strong in the second half. Uh, they finally got their goal, even though there's been a bit of controversy there because apparently um, he was just... Um, on side, but uh, the line drawn by the VAR apparently is kind of bent, so it's not a straight line. It's, it has like a little curve in the middle, which is true if you look at it closely. It's not an, an, a normal straight line. So I mean, how can that happen when they're usually using a computer to do these things? So it's it's pretty crazy. And also apparently they're saying that the boot of the defender looks bigger in one uh, shot than it does in the other. So it's it's pretty crazy what's happening lately with VAR and the referees. Honestly, I mean I don't understand uh, what is going on, and we can't blame Barca or Negreira for this one. So we'll have to see. Uh, what's really happening it's, it's pretty crazy yeah but in the end I mean it was good enough for Villarreal to, to get the draw and much needed for Setien who we know um, is still in a delicate position we could say because they're not as, as, as sharp as they were at the beginning of the year well I, I guess it's Oscar's weekend so a bit of dramatic license being used on the VAR there uh, it's not football it's La Liga after all um, <laughs> but yeah points apiece at La Ceramica neither side able to take advantage of yet another slip-up by Real Sociedad. They went to Mallorca and could only draw 1-1. They went ahead early. Carlos Fernandez, great to see him scoring again after his injury issues. I think that's his first goal in well over a year. But uh, yeah, after nine wins in a row, the club record, they've now won only once in the last nine. And they've only scored five goals in those nine games. Rory also, uh, Rory Barlow wrote a piece on our Substack about Real Sociedad going goal shy at the wrong time in the season. You can also check that one out at the same place, lolonline.substack.com, as well as plenty of your own stuff there, Roman. Um, yeah, Mallorca fought back to equalise. Uh, Kang Lee 
his first goal since October. Mallorca probably happier with the point than Real Sociedad, but then um, in the overall picture, Lareal didn't lose any ground to the teams below them. So in a sense, it's kind of as we were really in the top four, five, six race. Yeah, exactly. They've been lucky in that sense because uh, it could be in, in proper danger, but fortunately for them, uh, that draw between Betis and Villarreal still gives them a bit of air, you know, a bit of hope in that, in that aspect. And uh, another tough game for Real Sociedad, as you said, they haven't been looking that, like themselves lately. Uh, also, there was a bit of controversy here with a possible goal by Lenormand, who many are saying uh, should have stood and should have given um, them three points. I mean, Real Sociedad, I mean, referees aside, you know, they just need to find their momentum again. They're just going through this really bad streak where it's hard sometimes to get out of, you know, and, and to recover your, your good football because we, we've seen what they're capable of doing. You know, they have quality players. Uh, they've been doing really well. Uh, they have David Silva back, who I think is, is more important than many think in, the, in this squad. And in fact, he, he did give that assist for the first goal. And now that he's back, of course, Merino gets sent off right at the end of the game. And we all know how important Merino is to in that midfield. So, I mean, uh, also it's something that they've had to fight with during the whole season, missing important pieces in different parts uh, of this uh, season so far. So that doesn't make things any easier for them. But uh, the manager has to try and get them back on track because if not, if they keep uh, dropping points, uh, it's clear that uh, their European uh, or Champions League position is, is, is going to go and, and to, to go to another club, basically. Mm, indeed. Um, we heard from our friend uh, Chris Lyle, the Monchi's Men podcast. He said you can always tell by the coming of spring by Real Sociedad's form because they always seem to take a dive at this time of the year. And yeah, unfortunately for them, it looks like they're going through a sticky patch right now. Roma ahead for them next, trying to overcome that two-goal deficit they took uh, away from Italy. So we'll see if they can progress in Europe. Um, two more games left to discuss. And I'm afraid to say this, and there's more VAR drama and... Yeah, very, very dramatic games. Friday night, Cadiz Hitafe, not the game you necessarily expect to be high scoring or dramatic in truth, but it was 2-2. Um, Cadiz really thought they'd won it with a late goal themselves, but then Enzunal scored his second penalty in the, yes, 106th minute of the game. That's right, 16 added minutes uh, into injury time and uh, Cadiz had to settle for the draw. Uh, plenty of red cards and uh, stromashes later, as as Rory would say. Caddy unbeaten in 10 at home, but this one will definitely feel like a defeat, won't it? Yeah, massive blow because, you know, they had the three points. Uh, it's unbelievable to see that a game can go until uh, 16 added minutes, you know. It was pretty crazy uh, to, to, to witness. In fact, I, I wasn't watching this game, but I was following, like, on... On my phone, and then suddenly I was like, "Okay, uh, win for Cardiff, you know, game over." And then suddenly I see 90 plus 16 penalty. I mean, <laughs> what's happening, you know? And uh, a lot of credit to to, to Inesunal, you know, who had the composure to score that goal at that minute of the game. Uh, I have to say, he's one of my favorite penalty takers. He really has a fantastic uh, placement of the ball, especially in that first penalty, right to the top hand corner, with that calmness. It just takes a few steps back. Really good shooter for that. And uh, I mean, he's keep he's keeping. Um, I was going to say Kike Setien, sorry, Kike Sanchez Flores uh, <laughs> afloat because, I mean, we all know that he's also in a very, very, very delicate position. I mean, if he gets a couple of uh, defeats in a row, I'm pretty sure he'll be out of Getafe. But at the moment, 
uh, he's just getting enough to to stay on board just to survive in in his current team but of course they're, they're, they're in the relegation zone despite that and we'll have to see uh, what comes up in the next few games but a uh, very important point for Getafe because a, a defeat there would have really uh, been a tough one to digest mm. the other game the final game of the weekend Elche they won at Mallorca last weekend could they do it again against Real Valladolid when Pacheta was returning to the Martínez Valero? Well, again, you thought no, but because uh, Kyle Larry had scored for Real Valladolid yet again. He's got four in six or seven games now, so he's proving to be a very astute signing. But then it was a 96th-minute equaliser from Tete Morente, and yeah, Real Valladolid left pretty crestfallen, and then the draw does neither side any good, does it? Yeah, I mean, we know that Elche is really not fighting for anything in the end. But despite that, you can see that uh, Machin has really managed to change the attitude. I mean, with him, we've seen the best version of Elche so far this season uh, in this uh, part that they've been playing lately. And, and they've been getting acceptable results now and then. And in this side, for example, I think they were probably they probably deserved a bit more because they were, they were way more offensive, possibly because of what we said before, early goal by Valladolid, which, of course, uh, led uh, Elche to push harder to go forward but they had some really really good chances and honestly they could have scored a couple at least uh, but it didn't come right until the very very end as you said through uh, Tete Morente but of course uh, it was more important for Valladolid to get the three points than for Elche to get one three or, or zero you know because we all know that uh, for them it's basically game over even though of course they have to fight every single game which uh, is what is expected from the fans uh, but in the end Valladolid can be I'd say thankful they got a point because uh, for me, Elche were the superior side. All right then, Roman, it's that time of the weekend where I put you on the spot and say, who do you think is going to go down? Let's let's recap the positions then. As we said, Celta, I'm, I'm not quite ruling them out just yet. They're only four points off seventh, but equally, they're only six points clear of 19th. So Celta on 31 points, then it's Girona on 30. They have a game in hand against Atleti on Monday night. Then on 28, we have Sevilla and Real Valladolid. 27, Espanyol and Cadiz. Then 26 is Valencia. And then in the zone, Getafe, also 26 points. Almeria on 25. And then Elche bottom with 13. So right now, who gives off the worst sensations in terms of relegation? Well, um, I'm going to make it pretty simple. The bottom three, Getafe, Almeria and Elche, for me at the moment, are the ones that aren't transmitting maybe as much. Uh, Maybe I would have said Valencia a few weeks ago. But uh, with Baraja, there seems to be a little bit of a change in mentality. So, I mean, uh, they might be able to overcome this. But as we said, <laughs> this can change not every day, every week or every day, every hour practically. <laughs> uh, it's, it's pretty crazy how it's going. Maybe now Espanyol has two defeats in a row. They get one more defeat in a row. And our feeling will be that maybe they would be the candidate. So it's it's so difficult to, to, to point out teams. But right now, at this instant, uh, those three sides, I think, are the ones that are looking uh, a bit weaker than the others. Brilliant stuff, Roman. Thank you very much for your insight, as always. Uh, It's been a fantastic weekend of La Liga action. Hope you've enjoyed it too, listener. Uh, Plenty more to come. We've got um, European second legs this week. Real Madrid, of course, in action, plus the four in the Europa and Europa Conference League. Only one side won, and that was Sevilla. So hopefully we can get some comebacks there in the second legs. But um, yeah, it should be interesting to follow how those games go. Uh, From all of us here, though, thank you very much for listening. And... uh, Enjoy your week and uh, stick with us on the Substack and follow us on Twitter. We'll be covering everything there. Adios.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.